Did you know that the Pop Culture Preservation Society depends on support from listeners like you to keep our podcast up and running? We are an independent operation, creating, producing, distributing, and promoting the podcast by ourselves and paying for it out of our own pockets because we love it and we think it's worth it to preserve the well-loved cultural nuggets from our Gen X youth. If you'd like to become a supporter of the PCPS, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search for Pop Culture Preservation Society. Our Patreon supporters are like our pit crew, giving us the fuel we need to keep on trucking. And as a Patreon supporter, you'll also get special thank you gifts, like video recordings of our episodes, after the episode discussions, invitations to live events over Zoom, and the occasional blooper delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening and for being a part of our society. I love this 1962 cover headline. Facts about your bosom. Oh, oh. <laughs> the areola is in the middle. <laughs> Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who still know the proper way to answer a telephone and inform the caller that my mom isn't able to come to the phone right now. May I please take a message? We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we will be saving the magazine whose demographic is right in the title, 17. I'm Carolyn. I'm Christy. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Okay, ladies, I'd like to share with you one of my favorite days of the month in the late 70s and 80s. I'm walking home from the bus stop or maybe riding my bike home from the pool when I stop to get the mail. My heart skips a beat when I see my issue of Seventeen magazine waiting for me in the box. (laughs) I was lucky enough to have a subscription, and therefore I got the latest issue a week or so before it hit the newsstands. I immediately head upstairs to my room, where I flop on my bed with its Marimekko-inspired JCPenney comforter and get settled against my orange corduroy bed rest. Thus begins the ritual. Yes, ladies, I said ritual, because I had, specific, I had a specific routine when it came to reading 17. There were strict rules I had to follow. During my first thumb through of the magazine, I was not permitted to read or linger on any particular page. I had to go through the issue in its entirety before I was allowed to go back and read anything in depth. So when I'd see the article, expect too much from your boyfriend or create your perfect hairstyle, I'd get excited with the anticipation of knowing I got to read those articles in the next thumb through. So the second time through, I was able to spend more time with each article or column, but only in the order that they appeared. So in other words, if the room makeover spread I desperately wanted to see was on page 162, I couldn't skip to that before reading the spotlight entertainment column on page 38. For me, reading 17 was an experience to be savored. Without the internet and social media, 17 was how I learned about fashion trends and beauty tips and relationship advice. It was like my Bible. 
and many of our society members felt the same way. So here's what Gail D. 88 had to say. There was no more important magazine, especially the back to school issue. This was my high school Bible. It told me what was the right way to dress, what perfume to buy. Hello, loves baby softer, Jean too. What makeup palette was current? Baby blue. And had the best articles. Andy Gibb, Michael Jackson. Christmas wish lists were compiled from torn out pages and left for my mother with items circled in pen. And the prom issue. Good heavens, my friends and I would spend many an hour on the extension phones discussing which style gunny sack dress we wanted <laughs> and dreamed of floating on the dance floor wearing one of those dreamy gowns with baby's breath in our hair. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel bad for girls today who cannot know the absolute splendor that this magazine was. Social media is great, don't get me wrong, but to be able to turn each page and immerse yourself in the innocent possibility that every article, every ad brought is something that, for me, has created a strong sense of memories and has never been recreated. I just oh, thought that was hey, such oh. an excellent yeah, yes. yes. sums it up. Doesn't mm -hmm. it, though? Just beautifully. Mm -hmm. And just about, kind of like I said, it was an experience um, mm -hmm. and really made um, an indelible mark in our memories. And now listen to what our friend Colleen had to say about the impact 17 had on her. I remember being 11 years old and wanting to buy a copy of 17 magazine. My dad said, you can't read that. It's for 17-year-olds. I was so mad. But for my 12th birthday, my best friend gave me a year-long subscription to Seventeen Magazine. We showed him. I loved the back-to-school issues, my Bible for planning new fall outfits. In 1982, we moved from the oh-so-glamorous and cosmopolitan city of Dallas to the rural Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. I was not happy. But the first week of school, someone stopped me in the junior high hallway and said, I dressed like a girl from Seventeen Magazine. Best compliment ever. Isn't that great? So great. I can totally see Colleen dressing like a girl from 17, too. Oh, yeah. A little She's sweater vest, blazer, maybe. I'm, th I'm thinking, of, yeah. I'm thinking mm -hmm. of a yeah, or sweater vest with like a um, button down underneath it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I can uh, attest to the fact that how fun it was to actually go from Texas to, I'm sorry, she had to go to Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. And I'm sure Beaver Dam is a wonderful place, people. But you have to understand Shout if you live to in Beaver Texas. Dam. Yeah. Guys. Okay. If you live in Texas and you get that great back-to-school issue with the cute sweater vest, it's effing hot in Texas. So if oh, you want to dress the style, you're going to sweat a whole lot. So In um, August. Right. Yeah. Yes, in August and September and parts of October. Um, oh, so for Colleen, yeah. going to Wisconsin was kind of like, I can wear that sweater vest and that, you know, Fair Isle sweater with the three little buttons, that's yeah. going to work in Beaver Dam. Well, I've got to tell you that Gail and Colleen were not the only ones who claimed a obsession, basically, with Seventeen mm -hmm. Magazine. In the January 2011 issue of O Magazine, Oprah explains that her obsession with Seventeen was what inspired her to create her own network. Oh, own. my God. She oh. says 17 was, and I quote, a space where I could get some guidance, a space where I could be entertained, a space that was fun for me, where I was allowed to feel most like myself. And she describes her complete dedication as such. When I was growing up, 17 Magazine was like my Bible. It was 50 cents a copy. I was at the drugstore every month. I knew the date that they were dropped because I never had enough money for a subscription. But I saved my 50 cents, and I was there. 
whatever Seventeen Magazine said, I did. Wow. So many loved it like that. Gosh. It was truly aspirational. Yes, yes. And it's a Bible for generations of girls. I mean, this goes back... When was it first published? The first issue of Seventeen came out in September of 1944. And a lot, of, a lot of the information that I have for you guys is coming from a great project called When We Were Seventeen, A History in 47 Covers by a culture okay. writer named Jane Hu. It's really great. The first issue was released, like I said, in September of 1944. Prior to that, movie magazines were all the rage, but they were starting to fall out of favor. And the publisher of a magazine called Stardom was looking to pivot. And most magazines were going straight to fashion. That's what they were going to do instead of celebrities. But people kept telling the publisher to talk to a woman named Helen Valentine because she had some unique ideas about where we should be going with magazines. So at their first meeting, they talked about doing a magazine for young women. And they picked the age 17 because Valentine described the age of 17 as the age when a girl is no longer a child yet isn't quite a woman. And she saw the age of 17 as being somewhat misunderstood understood. This is what she said. People have an idea that the only thing they're interested in is their next date, but it isn't so. They are really thinking about very important things, and we ought to be thinking about them in those terms. So in other words, she wanted to take teens seriously. So This is in the 1940s? Yes, 1944. Yeah. So this was going to be, our moms got to read this Mm -hmm. and it's, um, well, I mean, my mom was born in 41. So, but Mm -hmm. you know, in the fifties, they, um, this was their Bible as well. Right. My mom subscribed. She said when she knew we were doing this episode, she said, I subscribed in, you know, the fifties to, to. Well, and I don't, this is funny. So I got my first subscription when I was 13 for my 13th birthday and it came from my mom and it felt like a very, I didn't ask for it. And so now she never said this. I'm wondering if she gifted that to me because her mom gifted it to her. I'll have to ask Linda about that. that. And I remember being very honored because I was 13, not 17. And so I saw this as being an acknowledgement of my maturity. Like she knew that I wasn't a little girl anymore. So that was an important gift. Yeah. I feel like it was almost more fun to read it when before you were 17. Oh, I than when so, you yeah. were 17. I almost yeah. feel like once we all became 17, 18, we were like, I'm not reading that anymore. Now I'm going to read right. Vogue, you know, mm-hmm. right. or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Cosmo. Cosmo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Glamour. But it was, it was so cool to be 14 and 15 years old and read 17 and look at all those, you know, the older girls and all the college stories and... Well, that's the aspirational aspect of it again. We Mm -hmm. were looking for what was coming so that we could prepare, right? We were Mm -hmm. aspiring to, we didn't want, we didn't aspire to be like the girl who was sitting next to us in social studies. (laughs) We were aspiring to be like the girls at the high school. Right. Right. Oh, kind of our sneak peek. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, Seventeen began as a publication geared toward inspiring girls to become, get this, you guys, model workers and citizens. Oh, yes. At least because you didn't say wives. No. Oh, that comes well, later. Yeah. Hold on. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that comes Mighty later. Ball. So in 1944, all the men were at war and mm-hmm. women were stationed on the home front and they were taking care of things that were normally taken care of by men. They were working in the factories. They were filling in for the men who were overseas so our country could keep going. This was the patriotic thing to do. And 17 was going to provide teenage girls with working woman Role models. This is kind of Whoa. blowing my mind. 
Yes. Working woman role models, along with information, of course, about, you know, personality development and, you know, funny quizzes and stuff like that. But Helen Valentine wanted to focus on teen girls as whole human beings, both multifaceted and powerful. And I'm guessing that's not what people thought 17 started as. No. no. This I is surprising mean, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And until Pleasantly surprising magazine, me. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I know. Yay, Helen Valentine, right? Right. Um, until 17, really, there was no magazine that had ever specifically targeted teens before. There were women's magazines and there were girls' magazines. But this was the first time that they acknowledged that there was this unique demographic that was sandwiched in between them. And teenagers themselves were a brand new concept. It was, um, you know, there weren't always teenagers. You had children and you had adults. But it wasn't until this time that this very uniquely American concept was being recognized. And so Seventeen was actually at the forefront of creating the American teenager. And they were, I know, isn't that crazy? Um, And they were also at the forefront of promoting teens to advertisers as a demographic with Mm -hmm. a voice that should really be listened to, which is something we'll get into in a little bit. Um, Okay, so teen girls, they wrote to Seventeen like crazy. They wrote letters to the editor, questions for their columnists, and fiction. Because in the beginning, back in those days, a full 11% of the pages of Seventeen was devoted to fiction, which is not really something that you see today. Right. Um, In fact, Sylvia Plath, author of The Bell Jar, that I was going to say teenage angst novel, but really teenage angst isn't a big enough word for what The Bell Jar is. Nonetheless, Sylvia Plath famously submitted to Seventeen magazine 45 times. Oh, until she finally had a short story published in August of 1950. 45 times. Yes. That was her first publication. We first saw Sylvia Plath in the pages of kids. 17. Yeah. Wow. You know, the fiction, on on. the fiction sections were always one of my favorite um, sections in 17. I skipped those. Did you? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I was not into it, but I did because read it. Like I read really it because I had to read every word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and Sylvia Plath, I have to mention this too. She was only 17. Wow. Um, As we will see throughout the episode, 17 changed dramatically over the years, especially after the departure of um, Helen Valentine. And once she left, it became much more like fashion and romance focused. Mm -hmm. But one thing that it has always done is reflect teens back at themselves in whatever the wind, which in in whatever way the wind is blowing in that particular Mm -hmm. era including quite recently in 2012 when the 17 editorial staff responded to a petition by a 14-year-old girl from Maine who asked 17 to stop photoshopping women's bodies and 17 agreed hmm. wow round of applause i know right. they said they said we are still going to you know remove a hair that is out of place or change the background color of something but they said we will not make big changes to a woman's face or body wow that's a big mm-hmm. difference from how we our era of absolutely um, reading that magazine cuz looking back knowing what we know now not super positive certainly not body positivity um, it was one way the only way. And it's well, the, and even a lot the, of the, ne- the negative side of aspirational, right? Did you guys know, mm-hmm. though, speaking of Photoshopping, when you were looking at all these covers, did you ever, I don't think I knew what photo, you know, what, what that was. Like, oh, I don't think no, I was no, looking no. at Phoebe Cates I had no thinking, idea. well, I just thought she was that perfect. 
And we called it yeah. back then, not back then, because I didn't know it back then, but as we, as I became to understand the concept, it was airbrushing. Right, oh, right, that's right. Airbrushing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now, of course, sadly, Seventeen is just, it's a digital-only publication. <sighs> and starting in 2018, they said they would cease production of the print magazine, except for special themed issues that would um, only be available on newsstands. What is newsstand? What the hell is a newsstand? Yeah, you know, I don't know what a newsstand is. Official. Yeah. And right. I bet you... Hey, uh, let's go down to the corner newsstand and pick up a copy of 17. Read it. Read all about it. <laughs> right. It will cost like eleven ninety nine. Have, have you noticed? Have like if you go to pick up, yeah. it's, you know, a magazine, a, a people yes. magazine, but it's some special issue. It's a special issue. And... Because it looks like a magazine, you throw it on there, and then you yes. see it was like twelve ninety nine. Yes, those and you those think it's going to be edition, like a dollar twenty five. Right. Those special edition life mm-hmm. for people magazines, mm-hmm. it's the same as buying like a paperback book. That's how yes. I justify it. If it's I'm really going to buy yeah. it, it's like fourteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. When you go to um, their website right now, and you click on the subscribe button, all you're subscribing to is an email newsletter. There's mm-hmm. no way to subscribe to Seventeen <sighs> Magazine anymore. You guys, that's so sad. I know. I mean, because like um, to me, holding it in my hand is is that tactile experience is part of it. And the covers. I mean, did you guys examine every pore and every hair on the head of those cover models? Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was like a scientific experiment. It wasn't just taking it in and making a judgment. It was like, okay, the hair is like this. Oh, look at the eyeshadow goes like this. Right, and I'm not even saying that um, and and saying, and I did that, and isn't that sad because here's poor little Michelle going, I wish I looked like that. No, some of them I didn't maybe care for their hairstyle or care for their eye makeup, but I was examining it. Like that was part of the experience for me is holding that magazine. It was a form hand. of learning. And reading, I mean, everything from the mm-hmm. different fonts of the, the headline, all of this stuff on these covers was so important to us. The the wording of the headlines, the cover models. Um, and I just find it so sad that so many magazines are, I know. are I know. gone. Well, um, I got to say that doing the research for this and just seeing these covers pop up, I would have visceral reactions mm-hmm. to seeing those. Like, I remember them. I didn't know I remembered them till I saw them, and it was Specific just like covers. Yeah. Oh my yes, gosh. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. It's because totally. we studied them, Carolyn. It's because That's we right. yes. studied That's them. Right. Like, and they were mm-hmm. laying on our bed or on our desks, or you know, my sister and I were passing it back and forth, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy. Well, let's talk about the covers for a little bit um, because they were so fun, and I want to share some notable covers and cover models through the years, and we're starting way back before we were all born. Because I think it's important to just see the evolution of the models and the headlines. It's pretty fun. Um, so Carol Lindley, the June 1957 cover oh girl, God. was the first ever celebrity teen model. She was a legit model. She was a child model and an actress, although her first credited film role wasn't until 1958 with a Disney film called The Light in the Forest, which oh, she was nominated one. for a Golden Globe for Most Promising New Actress. Uh, oh. She's most known, actually, for Blue Denim and the Poseidon Adventure. But and she did Carol, a bunch of, like, TV movies and game shows and stuff like that. She I think so, yeah. You yeah. recognize her if you pull her up mm-hmm. on Google. Um, but <laughs> Sweet Carol prepared for every photo shoot by eating a head of lettuce, a pound of seedless <laughs> grapes, and three green peppers. <laughs> I have diarrhea. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, or at least some serious gas that doesn't yeah. seem smart, Carol. The, the peppers are what throw me. And three green what peppers. What is that for? Wait, she also always brought her waist cinch, which is a belt worn around oh. the waist to uh, make your waist physically smaller or just look that way. I think the Kardashians oh. still wear those. Um, yes, they and do. this is important. So she brought her waist cinch and three pairs of bobby socks, red, white, and blue. Just, just for the hell Carol, of it? I don't know. Carol seems a little, a little. <laughs> Carol. Um, I love these 1957 dating do's and don'ts. Do be fascinated by the same subjects he is. Say things like, I see you have your football letter. It looks wonderful. Don't <laughs> keep him waiting. Be ready when he arrives and introduce him with obvious pleasure to your parents. <laughs> Oh, my oh, God. Obvious That's assuming you have somebody coming over. <laughs> right. Basically, it's like fawn all over him, girls, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Compliment oh. his football letter and make sure when you introduce him to your parents, it's with obvious pleasure. And that, um, that advice probably didn't change that much between 1957 and 1986 because <laughs> I, I remember, so. like, will you, Christy Keller, will you please teach me about hockey so I can talk with Todd Johnson about hockey? Well, I mean, that's true. It's the same. I mean, that's actually not terrible advice, you know, have the same interests. I just think it's Mm -hmm. funny. Like, I see you have your football letter. It looks wonderful. It looks wonderful. (laughs) I also, I love this 1962 cover headline. Facts about your bosom. Oh, oh. (laughs) the areola is in the middle. (laughs) It doesn't. I mean, really, they're opening it up. (laughs) One is larger than the other. Really opening that it's usually up? usually the right one. <laughs> no, mine's the left. Mine oh, it is, is too. Oh, mine that's, is the right. Oh, well, mine's Sorry, the left. Sorry, listeners, I think TMI. Because, because of <laughs> breastfeeding, like that was the one that oh, um, they always oh, sure, did sure. longer on because then your right arm could do other things. Sorry, your careless right children, you didn't want to know this. <laughs> well, now they they say they're longer. One is longer than the other. That's in oh, the oh. AARP magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. oh God. Okay. Uh, do you guys know who Colleen Corby is? Well, oh, no. You may not recognize cover model Colleen Corby, but readers of 17 in the 1960s sure did. Colleen was on the cover 14 times between 1964 and 1969. That's wow. way Whoa. more than Lauren Conrad. She holds the record. And um, listeners, I will post some of her covers in this week's weekly reader. So make sure you're signed up for our emails, which Basically, our emails just consist of our weekly reader each Friday. <laughs> but we share a lot of really fun extras from that week's show, plus other fun Gen X nonsense. So you can do that via our website, um, poppreservationists.com. Um, okay, a few other notable cover girls in the 60s. Twiggy, 1967. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And her mm-hmm. cover story says, sorry, her cover story says, she's 17, has modeled less than a year, and receives fan mail addressed simply Twiggy, London, England. <laughs> you guys, wow. can you believe that? Like I always, I've she modeled Twiggy, less than a I year, and she just she, was. she just had to be Twiggy, London, England, wow. and they knew. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, okay, in 1968, the cover girl was an 18 year old Sybil Shepherd. Um, oh. Before she was a famous actress, Sybil Shepherd was 17's model of the year. There are lots Ooh. of lots of real girl models have become mm-hmm. celebrities from 17. Like you might remember in 1987, listeners, 
actress Angie Harmon was the cover model contest winner. If you look at that cover, that cover came right back to me when I saw it. And I thought, Mm -hmm. how funny. Mm -hmm. I remember that cover so well. I don't think I was ever putting the Angie Harmon actress thinking she was on 17, but I'll post that one as well. Uh, Okay. Here's another do and don't I love in this 1968 dating do. Do make suggestions when he asks what movie to go see. Otherwise, he'll think all you want to do is neck. Oh, he will? <laughs> what? <laughs> Gosh, Apparently that's presumptuous. Apparently. <laughs> and then, oh, and then it said, hint, in case you don't know, necking equals making out. Oh, that I guess is that's helpful, for the, actually. For the 13 year olds out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, needed the, I needed the vocabulary. There was a point where I thought, like, some. There was some term that people were using. It was like slamming or squishing or something. And I thought (laughs) it was sex. And so all my, I know all these people talking about slamming or squishing, and I think they're having sex. It was mashing. They were just like, the term that we had mashing, like, oh, you're going to mash with him, or they were mashing was was the slang for it when I was in like maybe middle school. And I Mm -hmm. remember kind of thinking, in my mind, that was your bodies mashing up against each other, when in reality, I think it just meant you were kissing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But I just think that's funny. So, so apparently, according to 17, if he's like, what movie do you want to go see? And you're like, oh, I don't care. Anything's fine. He's going to be like, yes. I'll do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in 1970, Susan Day, newly famous for the Partridge family, mm-hmm. was the cover girl. And she had cute little braids. Um, and 1972 was very notable because Joyce Walker Joseph broke barriers as the first black cover model to get the mm-hmm. full cover on the magazine. By, does that mean by herself? By herself, yep, the people? full cover, okay. yep. Because there were some covers um, prior to 1972 where you had multiple people. Uh, I saw one from 1960 with Rock Hudson on the cover, but of course oh, he's surrounded oh. by all these little girls in like sailing outfits. You know, they're going to go sailing <laughs> with Rock Hudson. Um, okay, you guys, this one might be my favorite cover, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be yours, Carolyn and Kristen. 1972, and it says this. I'm not even going to describe the cover because this is going to tell you. Oh my what god! You need I to wonder know. if you have. I, okay, I think I know. I know what, what you're are the girls on our cover doing with those bright, yes! funny faces, <laughs> playing around with a wild new California idea: mime makeup or white face. Yes, they do too. Say white face. By the way, mostly mm-hmm. though, mime is a fun, beautiful way to talk with movement and touch. <laughs> you know, all the kids are doing it. And on the cover, they're all dressed like mime. And you guys, you know I will be posting this one in the Weekly Reader because, I mean, I am a former mime and all. Um, (laughs) I know. Well, someone has to say meme. I know. I'm just waiting. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. All right. I'll let you save that. No, I meant I was waiting to see who was going to do it. (laughs) Mime, meme. Um, And I was like a a California memeing. California memeing. Mm -hmm. Okay. This headline from 1974, though, might beat it. The case of the compulsive collector... Dan Cohen is 17 and still into Mother Goose. (laughs) That's it? There's no, like, follow-up? The case of the compulsive collector. Dan Cohen is 17 and still into Mother Goose. Yes. So that is it. (laughs) Was that maybe the fiction piece I just feel real bad for Dan Cohen being outed like that on the cover of 17. Sorry, Dan. Um, Okay, moving on. In 1975, we have Olga Corbett on the cover because 1975, we're all about gymnastics. And then in 1976, Dorothy Hamill. And that issue had the headline, John Travolta, having fun as Barbarino. Um, And then in 1978, Brooke Shields made her cover debut debut in Mm -hmm. October at age 13, pre 
Blue Lagoon. And I feel like 1978 might be when 17 really came onto most of our radars, um, Mm -hmm. our listeners' radars, Mm -hmm. our radars. um, And headlines from that October 1978 issue, funky disco gear, romantic underthings, (laughs) teen pregnancy. No, that's naughty. I don't. Teen pregnancy. Whose fault? Boy or girl? And what? I'm, all I'm thinking is it's 17 magazines for telling me about romantic underthings at age 15, right? Right. There are some mixed <laughs> right. messages there. So many. The mom's like, oh, my God, you're pregnant? Who did this to you? 17, mom. <laughs> it was 17 magazine for teaching me about Go get the 17. Under- Let's check and see whose fault it is. Right. Um, yeah. We need to read that article. I'm guessing they're saying it's both of your faults. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brooke Shields would appear again in 1982, which was one year before she put her modeling and acting career on hold and went to Princeton. Do you guys remember that? I do. Oh, yes. Yes. I, I do. Mm-hmm. I, I do. Really there was a rumor. Though. There was a rumor um, that she was going to come to my high school in New Jersey, <laughs> like so much so, and it had gotten so out of hand that they had to come on and make an announcement oh. to say, Brooke Shields is not coming to our high school. Okay, so in 1979, we saw the 17 cover girl, who I think it's safe to say is Gen X's most memorable and maybe even favorite mm-hmm. cover girl, and that's Phoebe Cates. Love her. Um, Why do we love her so much? But we really did. Yeah. We loved her. This was mm-hmm. three years before Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, and in her first cover, she's showing off her braces, looking <laughs> like none of us ever looked in braces. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> showing off her braces. That's cute, actually. That's adorable. That's on the April 79 cover. Um, she was on the cover three more times in the next 16 months. Um, oh. You guys, on that first, that April 79, talk about a 180 with headlines 12 ways to wear a tee, 15 suicide, <laughs> the danger signals. Oh, jeez. Oh, Followed by braces. If you've got them, flaunt them. <laughs> Two months later, Phoebe Cates appears on the cover without braces, which makes me wonder. I've always wondered when I look at those two covers if her braces were photoshopped in because they had an article called Braces. If you've got them, flaunt them. And they're like, we're going to put the – because her teeth are perfectly straight, which also would make sense if they really were her braces because she was about to get them off. Probably get them And when you're about to get them off, your teeth are already straight. But um, Good time. Okay, and all of Mm -hmm. you probably remember the iconic Phoebe Cates cover. It's the April 1980 sports special, and it's just her head, and she's wearing like a let's get physical um, stripey headband across (laughs) her forehead. And we've got these these supergirl power headlines. Action fashions, jazzed up jogging suits, and how to make him notice you. That's a In real girl power, right? Suit. Oh, oh, there, there it, is. it is. Look. Holding, where did yeah. you get that? Oh, I think on eBay or something. Yes. Oh, that's a great one. Well, my Phoebe, yeah, favorite Phoebe, blah, blah. my favorite Phoebe Cates cover is the one from November 1980 where she's leaning over on a bench tying her ice skates yes. and her hair is yes. in about 10 braids. Each braid is yes. the width of like one braid that all my hair would make. Like, and she's just <laughs> Raise so your cute. Hand if and you put your hair in 10 braids. Well, well, I tried, I but it. it wouldn't go into 10 braids. It. Oh, yeah. If I did, they looked like little rat tail braids. Like, um, <laughs> So uh, actually, back then, I had really thick hair. I did have really thick hair. Um, other notable cover girls, we have Whitney Houston in 1981. She was 18. 1986. Who's that super 80s cutie? It's Jennifer Connelly. Uh, she was age 16. Um, and... Other notable cover models who were yet to come, Cameron Diaz, Winona Ryder, Shannon Doherty, 
uh, Molly Ringwald, Will Smith in 1992, Drew Barrymore. A lot of actresses, I feel like, started becoming And they were girls. actresses then, right? Like, mm-hmm. when yeah, they yeah, yeah, the yeah. Cover, yeah. They were Once celebrity. we got into the 80s, it yeah. seemed like they started putting celebrities on the cover more, uh, mid-80s. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mid and late 80s. And I remember yeah. the Whitney Houston one, and she mm-hmm. was not Whitney Houston yet. And yet, we all knew her name. And I think mm-hmm. it was because... She was so beautiful. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. She's with someone why. else on the cover. It's it's Whitney yeah. and someone else, and I feel like she's wearing a let's get physical headband too. I'm trying to remember it. She must um, have been in it a I lot she because she was like like you know when you're on romper room and they have the same kid like <laughs> oh that's Michael like oh that's well, Whitney from 17. well they might have their they might have their pool of model cover models you yeah know, they kept right. pulling Phoebe Cates they kept pulling mm-hmm. um, Whitney. Houston, I was so. obsessed with some of those, especially um. You know, the the B-level 17, I also subscribed to teen, and they oh, would mm-hmm. cycle through mm-hmm. the same um, models on there a lot. There were like four or five they used regularly that I mm-hmm. knew their bio and what they were all about and kind of a spot. They seemed like your next-door neighbor they could be. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wanted to share one of the um, covers that I remember that kind of Again, um, got a little bit husker dude when I saw it. Was um, the February? Wait, 19- I have to. I have oh. to correct you, Carolyn, because it's husker do. Oh. oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. You can leave that in. Okay, people. I'm <laughs> learning. Husker dude. It probably would have yeah. those two dots over it the does. eye. Two okay. weird dots. It does. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, what are those dots. called? What are Hulouts. those called? Hulouts. Because it's husker. Hulouts. Oh, mm-hmm. Hulouts. Okay. She I was still hus- didn't do it right, but I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. Uh, anyway, I was Husker dude when I saw the February 1983 issue of Seventeen, which says, "Boys, boys, 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 boys." It says "boys" about mm-hmm. ten times next to the cutest boy you ever did see, Donald McLean. He was the winner of the Cover Boy contest. His sister actually nominated him and sent his photo in and wrote, I guess, wonderful things about him. Well, one of our followers uh, is the one who brought this up and made me go look at it again. And she remembered his name, Donald McLean. And we both decided we wanted to see what Donald McLean was up to today. Oh my God. We, we tried to do a little deep dive. We didn't get very far. We, we oh, think we nice. found him in Long Branch, New Jersey, mm. but that's about the last um, we've heard. So I thought you were going to say anyone he knows, like, was selling insurance in Boca Raton. Or, well, know. he might be because I'm sending it out to our um, listeners. If anyone knows what's up with Donald McLean, the 1983-17 cover boy, people want to know. There is we an audience for this. There are two people. Yes. There are at least two people that want to know. <laughs> yes. you know. And I think there was a third follower who chimed okay. in, too. Okay. So there's maybe mm-hmm. three people. That tips the scales. And Perfect. Don't Google Don McLean because oh, that's a right. different he sends person. American that's pie. not the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when I was looking at some of the covers from the year that I kind of concentrated on when I was doing my research, I want to read to you some of the um, little Wait, what year was this? Okay. This would be 1981. Okay. This was my sweet spot. This is my this. sweet spot, too. I mean, mm-hmm. when I saw all those covers, it was nipple lightning, vagina thunder. It was all of those things. <laughs> I mean, I, c- mm-hmm. I could picture, like, probably what 8-track was playing on my little stereo at the time. I was probably Aww. listening to Sticks or something. And mm-hmm. um, So, a couple of standout headlines were, do nice girls swear? Hmm, yes, I they do. <laughs> I don't know. Just letting you know. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Um, and then, should you date a younger boy? No. The and then no. this one, 
you guys talk about mixed messages. This one was, here comes the bride. They would do like bridal spreads every once in a while. And you know, they'd have some of the ads, which we'll talk about later, were for like Lennox China. So... Oh, I'm very uncomfortable. Yes, aren't you, though? It was mm-hmm. kind of well, odd, but I think we were just on that cusp of maybe some girls were getting married out of high school. I, I don't mean, know. I mean, Seventeen was having um, telling them all about romantic under things, so. Well, yeah, true. That's and, too. Kristen, to your point, back when we're 13 and we're aspiring, maybe it's, you know, as 15 and 16, we're aspiring to when we get married. What China pattern are we going to choose? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I didn't read that article because I don't think I was going to be a bride. But I do remember going through and seeing those spreads with bridal gowns and the tuxedos and <clears throat> that kind of thing. Um, so lots of good stuff on the outside of these magazines, on these covers that grabbed our attention, but also so much goodness on the inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, between the ads, the articles, the quizzes, the survey, it was chock full of everything a teen girl wanted and needed to know. Um, I can tell you honestly that many of the purchases I made with my babysitting money were influenced by those ads on the pages oh, of yes. 17. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. whoa. I mean, the only reason I bought Seabreezer 1006 was probably because I saw it in (laughs) Seventeen magazine. That's right. Right. Seventeen was able to craft this information on the inside of the magazine because they did intense research on this demographic, on us, essentially. They did surveys. They did focus groups. And like I said before, they got lots and lots of letters from readers. As And I don't know what's wrong with me. Oh, I feel like you're me. Oh, my God. I know. This is my turn today. And Seventeen was instrumental in promoting the concept of the teenager, like I said before, as a distinct demographic, a.k.a. people to be advertised to. The magazine actually became an important source of information to manufacturers who were seeking guidance on how to cater to teenagers. So Seventeen worked hard to figure out what exactly teenagers wanted and needed, their primary motivation being to pursue and pitch to the most perfect advertisers. So the magazine would have ads that spoke directly to our hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. In other words, they didn't want us to flip past the ads. They wanted us to read them, which I did. Which I was about to say. Every single word. Yes, we did. They Do you also know, can I just ask them. you a question? Mm-hmm. Don't, wouldn't you guys want to know? I, they'd be interested to know, especially by the time we got to the late 70s and the 80s, how, what percentage of an issue of 17 was ads? Because I will, oh, I would argue question. that it's yeah. more 50% uh-huh. or more Easily, of yeah. ads. Easily. And I did not we distinguish mind. between the two. I thought, no. I didn't know that the ads were different from the articles. I thought this was just the content of the magazine and that the 1006 ad was an article for me to read about my pores. <laughs> <laughs> well, we loved them as much as we loved the rest of the magazine. It was part yes, of the magazine. It wasn't like oh, well, another yeah, yeah. ad for, you know, candies. We loved that. that well, ad that's how candies, we knew so. that we should get some candies. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they also want, they also, <laughs> my street continues. They also wanted to make sure that the ads were squeaky clean. No ads for alcohol or cigarettes. And this is funny. No ads for hotel rooms. I don't recall seeing a lot what? of ads for hotel rooms, but they specifically said no hotel rooms. They wanted the magazine to be one that American parents wanted their teen girls to read. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting, yeah. considering mm-hmm. some of the headlines we just 
mentioned before, <laughs> right? if my mom had seen some of those, I'm not sure she would have let me read uh, about the under things. You know what, though? Yeah, I will say that um, some of the one thing I always appreciated about 17 is that there were articles, you know, the whole teen pregnancy is at the boy's fault or the girl's fault or whatever. I always did appreciate um, reading those articles. And I can remember being younger and gravitating toward articles like that, because those might be topics you weren't quite, you were you at age 14, you're curious about that, but you're not really mm-hmm. at the age maybe where your mom or your dad is having that talk with you, if they were ever going to have it with you at all. And you're um, not going to ask. And I felt like they right. always, no, exactly. And so this was a really good way for us to get information. Well, then I'm guessing my mom was appreciative that she didn't have to talk to me <laughs> <Probably>. about <laughs> under things. Thank right, God right? I don't so have to talk to Kristen was... about romantic under things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody was doing that for her. Right. So one fun thing uh, we did, listeners, that you're going to hear us talk about, Carolyn and I each picked an issue, a specific issue, to talk about some of the things in. And I picked the March 1986 issue, which happens to be the prom issue. But you would remember this issue as the one with Molly Ringwald on the cover. It's a very memorable cover, for me at least. My sweet spot for 17 was probably about 1983 to 86, 86, probably 87, probably Mm -hmm. like age 13, 14 to age um, 17, 18. And um, it says um, actress Molly Ringwald, but the article says pretty in pink. She's pretty in pink because she had just, um, she had done Breakfast Club by then. She had done 16 Candles. She had done pretty in pink. And she is just wearing the cute little straw hat with like the pink tulle with the rose. And oh, she just looks so cute. And she has a little pink earrings. Um, And it's talking about the ads. that is where so much of the nostalgia of 17 lies for me. I remember a lot of the covers. I'm not going to remember specific articles or specific quizzes, but I'm going to remember covers. And when I opened this March 1986 magazine, <laughs> I was floored. I was hooskerdued crazily by the ads. It was like I saw them yesterday. It was like the poses, the hairstyles, the colors. Um, obviously in my issue, it was a prom issue. So there was lots of Jessica McClintock ads and gunny, so- gunny sacks ads, um, Judy's. Do you remember Judy's where you what could buy your Judy's? prom dress? Um, oh, but, it was a store. Yeah. Yeah. And some okay. of the ads, here's a few that just hit me really hard that I noted. And again, I'm going to post some of these, um, probably on Instagram, um, later this week. Um, but, uh, like Kristen said, the 1006 antiseptic face by Bonnie Bell, uh, Maybelline eyeshadow palettes. They were all blues and purples yes. in 1986. Mm-hmm. All of them, no browns, no, ne- you know, how now everything's nude, right? You want the big giant nude palette. Everything was purples, pinks, blues. And you had all um, the different shades of purples, like six of them all in a row. Right. And the blue, yeah. they go from blue to purple. But the And they were supposed to go potion. in different places on your eye. <laughs> like yes. there was a map the brown of where you put the, yeah, and the, the dark freeze, purple goes here. The light, the light is uh-huh. pink, yeah. Um, we have kissing so potion, you know, the glass that. roller ball, Maybelline kissing potion. Mm-hmm. Esprit flip-flops, chic, is it chic jeans, C-H-I-C? It's chick. I think chic. it is chick jeans. I think actually. it was chick though, and not chic. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. in my March nineteen eighty six swatch watches with oh. the swatch guards. <laughs> I love them. Um, you guys remember nail polish pens? It looks like a felt tip oh, yes. marker, but you have yeah, to like shake like it almost like you do of. a paint pen. I. I mean, I had a ton of those and they never worked like they were supposed to. But when I saw that ad, I was just like, time warp back in time. So nail polish pens, Jordache jeans, March 1986. Mm -hmm. Those were in pink paisley. Um, The the white, the black, the red, the pink Reebok high tops. 
Um, the princess. Mm-hmm. Bellini penny loafers in 19 colors. I would buy probably 15 of those colors right now. They're the real soft penny loafers. Um, oh, yes. Okay. I'm like, colors. Tree Torns, Benetton, Stetson Cologne, mm-hmm. uh, soft shampoo, because in 1986, everyone had perms. So Permasoft. Permasoft. <gasps> uh, oh we have God. Sebago Docksiders, but in all the different colors. Candies, like I said, the Columbia Record and Tape Club, 11 for a penny. And do you remember gasoline jeans? Do you remember the ads for no, gasoline no. jeans? Oh, I'm I'm posting it because I bet you will. Someone out there listening is raising their hand, I hope. They were very colorful, um, sometimes very like I, comic I was going to say colorful. Type. How do I know that if I don't remember mm-hmm. them? Anyway, those were just some of the ads from 1986 that stuck out to me. Carolyn, okay. did you have any? Yeah, so I um, took the... August 1981 issue, which happened to be the um, back to school issue. I'm going to hold it up for um, you all to see the cover because I'm sorry if you lived in Houston, this girl has one, two, three. I think she's wearing four. Oops, sorry. Four layers. Yes, I remember (laughs) that cover. And And look at her blush. It's so collar. Yes. Oh, and her eyes. Right there. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. So um, I Grace was looking through this um, issue with me, and one of her first comments was, boy, you guys sure liked your periods, because I swear, <laughs> every other no, ad I didn't. had to do with some feminine product. And in this issue, I had to laugh. There was an ad. It was for Playtex tampons. And the spokesperson, I don't know if you'll remember this name, was Brenda Vaccaro. Oh, my <laughs> God. Totally, yes. <laughs> With a smoky voice. Yes. I think it's important to know the facts about tampons, to use them intelligently, and to know what you're doing. Let me tell you why I like Playtex best. Only Playtex tampons have a double-layered design. I like that. And Playtex knows we're not all the same or want the same kind of tampons, so you can choose the one that's right for you. I like that, too. And I like knowing you just can't buy a better tampon protection than Playtex tampons or Playtex deodorant tampons. And that's the truth. Playtex, a name I can count on, and so can you. I don't know. My Playtex what? tampons. What? <laughs> I mean, I actually went on I to can see, go like, was she riding? <laughs> Swimming. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, anyway, I just had to laugh. Like, we were going to go run and buy those because she. Because um, Brenda Vaccaro? Right, right. Oh, my God. Um, she's our, she's were... our period role model. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Mom, mom, um, Brenda Vaccaro says I can wear tampons too. <laughs> I don't have to worry about toxic shock anymore. Oh, well, um, the other, actually funny you should say toxic shock because um, one of the other ads was That's for- That's not funny, Carolyn. Toxic shock is never <laughs> funny. <true. laughs> has there, I... there been enough time now? It's, it's like, did it, I was that an never urban mind. myth? No, um, it's real. I know. No, it's real. <laughs> I, um, I probably I never thought I had toxic shock toxic. no fewer than 89 <laughs> times in my teenage years. Oh, my gosh. Me, too. I'd have to, like, count how how long have I had it in and, like, when Oh, my I? gosh. <laughs> Is that a rash? Um, my rash. I think I have a rash. I think it was something that happened to three people, and then it was on 60 Minutes, yeah. and then we all had to stop using tampons. And I think it was associated people. with my favorite tampons, which also had an ad in this issue, oh, yeah. which would be the OB tampon. OB. Oh, mm-hmm. my really no love the OB. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I, yeah, could never, I, um, I could never master that. Sorry. <laughs> this is a TMI <laughs> yeah, episode. Like master one. Yeah. Well, so, you, you um, had no yeah. applicator, so you had to like, push right, it Right. That was their big thing. But I, the reason I liked them 
for a number of reasons, but one was because since they didn't have an applicator, they were small and you could put it in your pocket. This was like yeah. before you had the squishable mm. Playtex ones that you could like It was like uh, a elongate. cigar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But a little OB, you could just stick right in your jean pocket and, and it no one crunch. would be the wiser. Like in the your Playtex shell? ones are in their yeah. paper cigar wrapper. Like, launch, launch, launch. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then you just throw it away mm-hmm. and all Do you guys that. remember before, and you know, sorry, if guys who are listening, <laughs> it's a fact of life. We're not going to shy <laughs> away from it because this is very relatable to all our women listeners too. Do you guys remember back before they had plastic applicators, they were those awful cardboard ones mm-hmm. and Oh, they yeah. just had it like a blunt once. end. And man, those things could really like, like scratch you scraping. up. Scraping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scrape the walls of the, the vaginal canal. It was like the type of cardboard that's like in a biscuit container before you pop yes, it open with pops. a spoon. You know, it kind of had that seam that ran around. Yes. Sometimes, oh my gosh. Oh, it sorry. was like a small biscuit container, but when you popped it open, it was cotton. <laughs> Oh my what gosh, biscuits. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> if you find the tampon that's full of biscuits, I was going to say that. You're our winner. <laughs> you get to come and tour the tampon factory with your grandpa. A year's supply of biscuits and tampons. <laughs> biscuits oh, and gravy. I'm just going to say it right now. Okay. okay. Oh, we apologize, well, people. Mm-hmm. Yes, people. Oh. But there were a ton of ads for um, <laughs> menstrual products in the August 1981 issue. Well, and this um, is also where I thought this was content. Like, I was learning right. about oh, yes. what tampons were and how much they absorbed. What percentage right. of the more blood did they absorb than the That's other right. ones? That's this right. was content. But it was an article. Very helpful. Like, very helpful, actually, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, yeah. Well, it seemed that advertisers, besides getting our period 30 days a year, I mean a month, it seems, with all those ads. They also thought all we did was wash our hair, um, apply <laughs> lip gloss, and mm-hmm. spray cologne because those were the main. Lots of perfume. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember Jovan Musk? Or what oh, about yes. Wind Song? Yes. I can't <laughs> seem to forget you. Your wind, Your wind song, song stays on my mind. mind. I can't seem to forget you. song by Prince Machiavelli. Jean too. I forgot um, about Jean too. Loves Baby Soft as we. Of course. I mean, that mm-hmm. was forever. And Sweet Honesty. Um, those were some that popped up in this do issue. Guys, do you remember and, the ads that I posted? Um, we had them on Instagram. It's been enough time now that let's put them back on. And it was for Loves Baby Soft. And they were shocking. It was like on the butt oh, of their yes. panties. And it was on. Yes. And oh, we yes. were all like, wait, what? We don't remember these. Or if we did, they went right over our heads. It and very maybe it's just now looking right. through our, we're all parents now. And we're all like, oh, that doesn't seem okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And maybe back then it was just innocent and fun and flirty. But now we're, everything is it so. Well, no, yeah. we were shocked, and all of our listener, yeah. our followers on Instagram were very shocked, too. I think it's time that we post that again. Um, yeah. maybe and I also wonder, doesn't those? the Love's Baby Soft, and I only figured this out in the context of those ads, that the Love's Baby Soft bottle is yes. phallic. Very phallic. Mm-hmm. And where it's positioned oh. sometimes on those ads and yes. then what the words say, um, you know, that subliminal advertising, mm-hmm. they were, um, it, was, it was sinking in, in our unconscious mm-hmm. or subconscious, I guess. Um, the shampoo ads were another just flashback. Um, there was sh- um, ads for Flex, Wella Balsam, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. a gr- 
Agree, oh, Silkians, yeah. Germac, Body on Tap, <laughs> yes. Pert. Oh, Gee, I had your a hair smells terrific. A pert emergency. What's pert, that? Well, pert was like pert was something that made your hair really bouncy, and so I washed my hair one night with pert, and when I woke up in the morning, I looked like a freaking poodle, and I was like, <laughs> I can't go to school. And my mom was like, Of course you can go to school. It's just your hair. You're not sick. I'm like, no, I can't go. Look at my hair. Oh and everyone, gosh. and I don't know what I did. I don't know why I couldn't just put it in a ponytail, but it was an emergency. I had to stay home. A pert oh. emergency. How about a pert that? emergency. And I just wanted to have your that oh, hair. I, I think I got pert a lot. I bought every one of those shampoos for their taglines. Like this will be the one. Mm-hmm. This will yes, be the this one. This will be the one. I used to mm-hmm. use yes. G. My sister and I used G. Your hair. G. Your hair smells terrific. I can still see the font that that's written in. Do you know mm-hmm. which one I think that I can remember thinking had the greatest scent was Herbal Essence. I loved the scent yes. of Herbal mm-hmm. Essence in that green bottle. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then they had like. Kind of, it was almost like Eve from Adam and Eve was yeah. like the um, oh, that's cover right. model with, with like all the plants kind mm-hmm. of covering her in those places. Um, and one of the ads I just have to talk about that I saw kind of in this um, genre was for Frost and Tip. You know, where you oh, could yes. put that like oh, um, kerchief on with the holes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you pulled it through <laughs> and it had like four <laughs> pictures of how you could do it. And one of the photos, it was the Jennifer Warren uh, you know, Gibson girl hair. I oh, was, yeah. Oh. It was oh. in style. Yes. Yes. That swoopy kind of thing. The with swoopy, the, f- the fat yes. one, the loose yeah. yes. one. Where it looks about, like so. it's held together with one bobby pin and it's all like, yes. you know, a right. whisper away from blowing up. But it, it must have been striking. We are digressing Dolly. so much, listeners. <laughs> Sorry. Um, this is a combined 17 um, shampoo ad um, podcast episode. Well, we have all those great fun ads that we've talked about um, kind of in the front of the magazine, all the, you know, big color ones. But there were just as many interesting ones in the back of Seventeen magazine. I don't know if you guys remember the classifieds, but I was all about those. You could train to be a model or just look like one at the Barbizon <laughs> Modeling School. Barbizon. I'm sure if mm-hmm. you looked at some of my Seventeen magazines, if I still had them today, these things would be mm-hmm. cut out. As um, I'm mm-hmm. sure I sent in my drawing of Cubby or Snuffy, you uh, know, the yes. sketch, so yeah, I could win lucky. a cash prize. One was lucky, yeah. yeah. Or go to yes. art school. Yeah, yes, from the art, art instruction oh, yes. school. Yes, yeah. Yes. What about just the this- international school? One was just the <laughs> international school. And I think the ad was something like, when they ask you where, or they'll take one look at you and know you've been to the international school. <laughs> um, there was that one ad that I, when I saw it, again, who's screwed, dude? Um, the woman has this really thick, long hair, like down to her waist and you could have thicker, stronger hair in five to ten days if you would just send oh. in, you know, five do- – or yep. no, it wasn't five dollars. I forget how much. Um, but, you know, you sent in 50 cents or whatever, which I would do because that hair <laughs> – oh, my gosh. I just wanted that hair so badly. And mm-hmm. it was just her back with all the hair going down. Okay, we've talked about the ads. What about some of the articles? Okay, so the research – into who teenagers were, that same research that they did for the ads also helped them craft articles that spoke to the concerns that we had. And that changed throughout time. So it might look like Seventeen was changing their philosophy every few years, but they were really just reflecting what teenagers looked like at that moment in time. So in the 40s, all the men were at war and women were filling the void. So you might have an article like, jobs have no gender. That was literally... A Seventeen magazine article from the 1944 issue. Wow. Um, 
I know. Isn't that crazy? Jobs yeah. have no gender. You could put that in Seventeen magazine today. Today, right. Mm-hmm. But then in the 1950s, all the men came back. And suddenly mm-hmm. everyone was concerned about putting women back in their place. Uh, so then 17, 17 became a little more focused on fashion and domesticity. One issue from the 50s featured an article called Boys, All Kinds, Dates, How to Get Them, mm-hmm. alongside an article called Diet with Ice Cream. Oh, oh I want to read that one. I want that one. <laughs> I know. In the 1960s, we start talking about S-E-X. How much kissing is too much kissing? And which I think that's really cute. Like were some people worried that they were kissing too much. <laughs> is that based on like a t- amount of time? Like, is it like 20 <laughs> minutes? Of kisses? Right. Or number of kisses? When your mouth goes or numb. It's just one kiss, but it lasted yeah. an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then also sex without secrets a frank and healthy boy-girl discussion. This is all from the 60s. In the 70s, we got very environmental because remember, this is when Earth Day was established in the early 1970s. But then you might also talk about um, crochet and miming, as Michelle said. (laughs) There was, um, or memeing, crochet and memeing. There's an article from 1973 that is how to crochet a halter with well-placed suede patches. Oh, (laughs) I'm making them for you guys. I want that one. I want it. Yeah. I want it. Summer with those patches, would they you be know what? Over you know what? I'm put, instead of the suede patches, you guys, I'm going right to crochet us all halters, but we're going to have the PCPS flowers on the front. Ah, uh, <laughs> like right, right, you know, the areolas. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but my areolas will be down a little bit, like kind of <laughs> Actually, my belly button. They're on the underside <laughs> of the halter. That's right. <laughs> and continuing with uh, the team. And then oh, in okay. the '80s, of course, we have a complete departure from when when. Um, Shut up, Kristen. Okay. In the 1980s, it is, it's basically a complete departure from Helen Valentine's vision of what Seventeen mm-hmm. magazine was going to be. And it was mostly boys, 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 clothes, boys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think remember. it was mm-hmm. a lot. But I, in my March 1986 issue, um, we had an article um, that I thought was really a, a great article is porn rock. The controversy rolls on and it says, no, but it was a controversy at the time. Listen, it says the debate what is heats porn up. Rock? The debate heats up as the anti-porn crusaders take on MTV and the rockers fight back against the mothers of prevention. Will this battle spell the end of good old raunch and roll? And so mothers what of I, prevention. That's yeah. Awesome. Don't you, don't you want, mm-hmm. don't you want to meet some of those mothers? Mm-hmm. Um, let's sit down and have some Super pie gory. with them. Yeah. I was going to say, um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're listening to our podcast. Okay. But I love that they say, what group listens to rock music more than any other? Teenagers, of course. So 17 went right to the source, asking teens across the country for their opinions on the porn rock controversy. And we have, uh, they asked, should there be a record rating system? I mean, why not go to the kids? Why not mm-hmm. go to the kids? Um, a 19-year-old said, it's the parent's obligation to monitor what their own kids listen to. How does the PMRC know what's right for everybody? Oh, oh I like you, Ivanka Koleff. Good Kolef for you, Ivanka from Los Al- What are you doing today, Ivanka? I bet you're leading yeah, some yeah. sort of company. I hope you are. Um, rating music should not take the place of parents talking to their children and offering them an honorable <gasps> set of values. Parents can't protect teens with ignorance. That was Jean, uh, Jean, Jean. All of a sudden, Kristen, I'm French. Um, that was Jean Crafty, <laughs> 16, from Wisconsin. So I really appreciate it. I thought it was actually kind of a cool, you know, let's let's get something that's newsworthy. Because, you know, some of the other articles in this 1986 issue were 
Check, please. Should a guy always pay on a date? Um, you know, the art of patience. 11 surefire ways to ruin a romance. But what I appreciated about this one is it was almost like a little bit of a news article, um, something that was a hot topic in the news. And so I appreciate that. And that really does harken back to the vision of Helen Valentine because she's like, these young girls have something to say. Let's just ask them. Yeah. Let's yeah, not yeah. be preaching to them. It's not our magazine, it's their magazine. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, um, I think that there was this balance of, I don't want to say the how to dress for your guy or whatever, um, those foofy articles with some more uh, educational or with some deeper topics. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, in my August 1981 issue, the article was, you're right to say no. Deciding whether or not to have sex isn't easy, but sticking to your own ideas of what's right for you is the key to self-respect. I love that. And for me, in a nutshell, yes. Wow. In that, and I can imagine for me reading that was like it wasn't like it was giving me permission to have it, but I was like the first time I thought, oh, like you could if you wanted to, because I mean I grew up where there was like that wasn't even an option. Right. Wait, and that's not something you would hear from your mom. No. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was um, very enlightening to come across those kind of articles. And also, don't you guys think that we trusted Seventeen? Oh, so, absolutely. So oh, yeah. even though, you know, 100%. if your mom is maybe saying, well, the only answer to the question, should I have sex, is no. Um, you know, Seventeen sometimes, like I said, is presenting both sides of an issue. And it's a, it's a source we trust. Mm-hmm. And they're giving you, most importantly, agency. So they're not yes, telling yes. you what to do. They're, exactly. they're letting you know that y- what you think and feel is valuable and you can listen to your own gut. Mm-hmm. Um, so articles, we've said, were um, important. The columns were important. I loved a good survey. I loved <laughs> to know what was going on with my fellow um, teen girls around the country. And just so happens the August 1981 issue had 17's favorite people survey results. So I'm just going to ask you guys a couple of the questions that were posed and see if you can guess um, what some of the answers might have been. And we will put this quiz on Patreon. So if you are a Solid Gold or Bicentennial member, you will be getting to hear the answers to the survey. Mm. That's so fun. That's just a little bit of the exclusive content our supporters on Patreon get. If you like what you hear, let us know by becoming an official supporter of the Pop Culture Preservation Society on Patreon. This show is created, researched, produced, distributed, edited, and paid for by us, Kristen, Carolyn, and Michelle. And your support allows us to keep the lights on and keep on trucking. For the price of one or two cups of coffee a month, you can become a supporter by going to poppreservationists.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Or go to our link in bio on Instagram and find the Patreon link in our link tree. We appreciate you and thank you so much for helping us do what we love. When we asked our society members for some of their favorite memories of Seventeen, several of you shared that the advice that you received from Seventeen was memorable. Our follower Sandra said that she learned the advice from 17 that on picture day at school, you should not wear green if you have bad acne or redness of the face. That's very <laughs> she helpful. remembers that to this day. <laughs> and Jill said 
It was not wise when she followed the advice of how to cut wispy bangs. She did that with the razor, and it was not a good outcome. So she ended up having to have full bangs. And can we just say for a moment, wispy bangs were the dumbest things ever. I tried to have them, but I had a cowlick, so it was like they (laughs) – it just looked so stupid. Did you guys pull them off, or did you even have them? And then you curl them under in the front. Right, right, right. And you take a bristle brush, and you go like – Yeah, and they were just – So they come out like a big dome. (laughs) I had I bangs know, until I ones. until like nineteen, you know, eighty nine or something. But without a doubt, the back to school issue and the prom issues were the ones that our followers mentioned mm-hmm. the most. And coincidentally, the issue that I concentrated on for this episode was a back to school issue with full spreads of what we should be wearing and what we should be carrying to school too. So there was a whole like back to school school supply section with um, some fun pencils that you were supposed to have. And so it was even more than clothes. It was what, um, what you needed to complete your whole outfit for going back to school. Can I just mention the back to school issue from 1986 though, August of 1986, the cover model is wearing a brown suede fringe vest over a jean jacket. And um, (laughs) what, yeah, one of the articles is adventures in true blue denim born in the USA style. So that must, you know, this is 1986, mm -hmm. but let me just tell you guys, take you back on a little time, a little time warp. All of the clothes for back to school and just all of the clothes in that art, that issue in general, very, very oversized. And can I tell you mm-hmm. that in 1986, I shopped at the maternity store in the mall. That's where my <gasps> friends and I would get our sweaters because they were oh perfect God. to wear with our stirrup leggings. Think oh, about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So I oh, yeah. had all these maternity sweaters that I wore for years. I loved them. I had this one with little pearls sewn all over it. Um, Anyway, other notable things in that back to school issue, Coca-Cola watches, Mickey Mouse oversized on everything. Oh, yeah. Um, also right. Mickey Mouse watches, mm-hmm. um, mixing polka dots and stripes, turtlenecks under giant sweatshirts, bold colors like a bright yellow turtleneck under a red and turquoise polka dot sweater, mm-hmm. um, leggings Garish. under mini skirts. Headbands and scrunchies, you would layer everything. You layered different colored socks. You layered your pop-up collars. You layered Mm -hmm. your headbands, your scrunchies. I just, I had, it was such a kick looking at that, um, that Mike talks about how, like, that era of women's clothing and how sad it was for him. Because he (laughs) said you couldn't, you had no idea what was underneath. There was no conceiving of a person's form. And he just sort of missed that. We had to be hot and those clothes had to be heavy. Oh I mean, think of all mm-hmm. the layers and mm-hmm. one thing over another. And I, but even the guys' clothes were oversized. Oh, yeah. Like I'll go back and look at pictures, you know, Sandy, like rugby shirts the that were just oh, kind of rugby boxy. And baggy. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's what And we I would did. borrow, I went from borrowing my mom's clothes to borrowing my dad's clothes. And so I used to get in trouble because my mom would come running into my room and you have to ask, where's my pink sweater? You have to ask. And then over time, my dad would come into my room and say, you have to ask. You can't just grab my sweater. You have to ask. Yeah. That's right. Funny. Oh, gosh. Well, um, I'm wondering when the first back to school issue might have been. Anyone it was know? in um, the first. Yes, I do, Carolyn. Oh, yeah. I do know what the answer well, what is. What a bit had It been. was in August of 1945 was the first back to school issue. And wow. of course, this was during the war. And girls were encouraged to dress in pants and shorts. 
to school on the first huh. day as if they were sort of trying to compensate for the missing masculinity in their society. And there was actually there was an article called Daddy, May I Borrow Your Tie? <laughs> Gosh. Mm-hmm. This whole conversation has made me just really miss magazines in general. Yeah, Not just know. 17, but all, I mean, I miss I miss running to the mailbox to see what kind of school clothes I should be shopping for. I literally cradled those pages. I literally protected them from harm. Mm-hmm. And they were not just beautiful and aspirational. They were also finite. The answer lies within these pages. These pages right here in my hand, not somewhere out there in cyberspace with that has all sorts of, you know, millions and millions of possible hits that would have an answer for me. No, the answer is here in these pages until, you know, my next issue arrives in 30 days. And that was both comforting and exciting. Thank you for listening today, everybody. Oh, you guys, that was such a fun episode. And can you believe it is our final episode of the season? I can. It went so fast. It Mm -hmm. did. I'm right there with you. I cannot believe that we have done, um, I think this will be 73 episodes when this, um, Mm -hmm. I know. Isn't that amazing? Can I just say how lucky the people are that have not, that are just finding our podcast? And I'm saying it because like, (laughs) for instance, I came to some TV shows really late. Like I didn't ever watch The Office until it was already over. And I, and and Mad Men was another one. People kind of um, looked down at me. What, you never watched The Office or you never watched Mad Men? And I was like, yeah, but now... I can just watch them and watch them and watch them. Like, I don't have to wait for a new season or a new episode. So I kind of feel like that when you come to a new podcast and you're like, wait, there's 70 that I haven't heard. So if you're a new listener, luckies. Right. And there's (laughs) nothing wrong with going back and listening again. Like, you know, everyone loves a good repeat. And Excellent um, point. Now that you know us all a little better, some of it might ring a little funnier in places. But um, I've got to say, this was such a fun season. We started Mm -hmm. it off with that magical two-parter on the Carpenters and their songs. Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys, that... That was so special. And those are two of um, right up there in our highest downloaded episodes. Um, oh, people wow. Are, people love the Carpenters. And, of course, our unbelievably fun conversation with our new best friend, Melissa Gilbert. <laughs> um, so great. And yeah. then that walk down memory lane with those outrageous made-for-TV movies and so many more. And if you missed any of them, just scroll through our catalog of over 70 episodes. And don't worry, for the next few weeks, we'll still be here on Mondays with encore presentations of some of our favorite episodes with brand new introductory conversations. So even if you've listened to it before, you can still catch it again and enjoy it. And in about a month, we'll be back with brand new episodes. Um, Episodes like Happy Days, Summer Movies from the 70s, road trip memories, just to name a few. Uh, We're really excited for our next season. It's going to be a good one. And thank you, thank you to all of you who listen, who share our podcast, and who take the time to click those stars and leave a nice review. Our little listener graph, it just keeps climbing and climbing. And sure, that's because our conversations are super fun, but it's also thanks to you. And we really appreciate it. Uh, And to those of you who love our podcast and page and take your support to the next level on Patreon, a huge thank you. Honestly, our patrons are what is quite literally keeping the PCPS trucking. Today, we are giving a shout out to patrons Diane, Sherry, Margaret, Christina, 
Alexis, and Beth. If you'd like to become a supporter on Patreon, just go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and type our name up in the search box, and you can explore our page and see all the fun and exclusive perks our patrons get each month. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. Two good times. Two happy days. Two little house on the prairie. Cheers. Cheers. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Get a happy feeling when we're singing